Hello and welcome to Epic Loot Radio, our final show of 2021. And with us, we got a round table of epic proportions as to the name of the podcast. This show, we're going to be focusing in on a theme of 2021 and looking forward to 2022 as we prepare for what MMORPGs should look like, could look like, and do look like as a kind of a state of the game with a primary focus in on Play New World. But at, outside that, like, I think we have the best panel that we could possibly discuss this topic about because there's so much going on. So you're going to get some Final Fantasy XIV uh, in your podcast uh, here as well, because there's some stuff going on with that. And I think there's overall something to be excited about as we look forward to the future. But let me go around and introduce everybody briefly and give everybody kind of a chance to uh, introduce themselves, fill in any gaps that I might uh, might miss. But we're uh, joined uh, by two of my favorite content creators right now on YouTube. And I know you stream. I know you both stream. Um, but primarily, I love y'all's uh, your VODs uh, more than anything else based off of my schedule as a, as a dad. As Asmongold put it for uh, his review for New World, that bearded dads probably are going to love this game. And I'm like, oh, damn, he got me, man. He, he nailed me to a T. Um, but let's start with Josh. Dude, Josh, this is your first time on the podcast. Thanks for taking uh, time out. Your VODs and this year alone, I think you I've just watched your uh, your rise in terms of your like analysis of MMORPGs. I've enjoyed pretty much every video that I've sat down and uh, and watched, even if we never come to an agreement. But that's the beauty of, I think, what you produce in the world. So, Josh, why don't you take an opportunity to introduce yourself? If, if I, I feel like if I'm introducing you to anybody new, this is a real pleasure and treat for me. So, Josh, uh, say hi. And, uh, and who are you? Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's lovely to talk to so many passionate people about MMORPGs and gaming in general. And even I'm excited to hear about what Bungie are doing now, because I've been playing Halo Infinite a lot. I make videos about MMORPGs on YouTube, and I started doing this a couple of years ago, where I went to the more analytical analysis route about how mechanics and systems work in games, because I love the MMORPG genre. And then I started to get these banner adverts around the side of my screen for those terrible, awful uh, autoplay kind of MMOs. And I thought, you're using the phrase MMO to advertise it. How bad can this be? And it's bad. So I played League of Angels for about four hours. I say played. I installed it and let it autoplay itself for a bit and then made a video about how bad that was. And that was the start of my worst MMO ever series where I've just tried to find the worst games in this genre and play all of them. And while doing that, made some more analytical videos and Asmongold reacted to a few of them and my channel has gained quite a bit of popularity. So now I'm able to look into the the past of the MMO genre, the future of the MMO genre, talk to the players of it. And I just want to know how healthy it is, what it can do to be better, and how the players can be advocated for. That's my whole thing. Fantastic. Now let's go to Lono. Uh, obviously, we've had you on the show before, but still, I think, a leveling legend. Uh, your analysis breakdowns of video games uh, is, is one of the best, I think, live produced shows uh, in, in video game radio to kind of tag a you know, a phrase to it for, for the boomers and us, uh, Jen, I guess I'm a millennial, but for the millennials and, and, and boomers out there who remember what radio was essentially. But, uh, I like to give you the, obviously the floor, like what have you been playing? What has excited you over 2021 and what are you looking forward to, to 2022? Yeah. Um, well, obviously I dove into new world as a non MMO guy. I, I remember losing my friends to EverQuest and uh, didn't have anybody to play Quaker or Unreal Tournament with anymore. And so I was always not a huge fan of MMOs. So New World appealed to me at a at more of a mid-lane, more casual, like accessible game. And so I was covering that pretty heavily. Drifted a bit and took a break from it to cover lots of other stuff recently. 
dabbled with Lost Ark when when the uh, when the demo was out or whatever they called that. I don't know what to call these anymore. Betas, demos, alphas, tech tests, PR. Um, yeah. And so we did play, played that for a bit, covered that. That was really enjoyable. Um, getting good response with Halo Infinite from the approach of this is good, but what in the world happened to this game uh, with such a big budget and just comparing battle passes, progression systems, um, just some, some very odd things there. But that has been well-received because I'm historically known for dissecting every square inch of Destiny and talking about what's good what's bad and how do we fix the bad stuff because talking about the good stuff's great like but nobody's ever really interested in that it's more like what what stinks why does it stink and then i sort of i think i started to get i guess you could say popular because instead of just saying something stinks i would say here's why it's not good and here's how they could improve it because i think youtubers are sort of known for their even the internet i guess is known for just saying this stinks and then that's kind of the end of the conversation so that's how i try to approach virtually every game and i get called a hater and an apologist sort of equally yeah <laughs> the people that don't like when i defend a game they tend to call me an apologist people that don't like my criticisms tend to call me just like a complainer and a whiner so i kind of get that from both angles which to me has always made me think i must be doing a good job because i'm ticking both sides off so i'm you know i'm i'm banging on the right drums i think so i i've i've really enjoyed pivoting to variety gaming news coverage on youtube that was really hard after covering one game exclusively for five years and i think after three months we're just now really seeing great results from that obviously i'm not i'm not getting asmongold's blessing like you know that wand has to be nice when it gets waved over your channel but it has been really enjoyable i think youtube's got you know good things in the pipeline as well so it's it's been fun it's been scary but but fun now, before I introduce, you got to get him to react because, like, Asmund watched one of mine and went, "Huh, I agree." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's how I feel. And then yeah. people are like, "You got referenced on Asmund Gold Channel," and that that doesn't that does not drive the same engagement as, as like something that's more thought provoking. Right. So, you know, the more video essay style stuff of of Just Trek Hayes or some of the reaction content might be might be the goal if if that is your objective. Now, the voice you're hearing, if you guys are just listening to the MP3 version of this, is uh, is Chris. If I'm introducing you to Chris, I'm doing a very bad job. Chris and I uh, started out on YouTube uh, with our share channel, Work to Game, uh, being that kind of discussion ground, that ability to have a discussion around video games, because it's one of the hardest things that I, I still feel in uh, this coverage today, because you do get that mindset of somebody's thinking you're being unfair, uh, because you, you know, like, hey, I'm being, you know, I would say, I wouldn't say critical, I'm critiquing. I find that, you know, critique is something where you offer something back to the developers, right? Like you say, hey, you know, this isn't working out as well as you think. Have you thought about X, Y, and Z versus something like this sucks and this always sucks and I'm done with this game. And I'm like, that's what I kept seeing, obviously, from a lot of it. I'm sure y'all have, you know, we've all seen those YouTubers who do that. So it's always funny when we get labeled as such. But uh, Chris, why don't you, like Chris has been crushing it in terms of Final Fantasy. Uh, we are currently in a race for Omni 90 and the latest expansion, Endwalker. Uh, obviously, uh, he's played uh, Halo Infinite, and I was actually worried for a second there if like this ends up turning into a Halo podcast. It could very well. Uh, you big fans of Halo here, but uh, Chris, why don't you take some time to introduce yourself to those who uh, who don't uh, know you? Yeah, I, I I play games predominantly in RPGs, but like I played Halo Infinite last night, uh, and I would say for half a billion dollars, it is weird that we're asking ourselves like what type of content should I have because for half a billion dollars, it feels like the answer should just be yes. 
Like, I don't know how much game dev time that buys, but like, it's weird that they're like, okay, we'll give you Slayer, but like not ranked Slayer. Like, don't get crazy. Um, Cause for half a billion dollars, I would assume that you could buy a ranked mode. Uh, but, but I guess not. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun in it. I just wonder where like the rest is. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, just more please. Uh, mm. And I've been spending a lot of time in, in Final Fantasy, uh, Endwalker, for anybody that doesn't follow Final Fantasy fourteen, is the finale to the story. Uh, and then we'll get a new story with the first content patch. And so that's something that you don't see a lot in the MMOR genre. So it's interesting. And then it comes at a time where that brings a lot of returning players back, of course, to see how the story ended. They got off many years ago. It keeps the active player base interested because, like, who's going to leave in the last chapter of a book? And, uh, and then, you know the other large MMO in the room decided that maybe players should take a little bit of a sabbatical this year. And so we have a lot of new players that are just visiting. Uh, some may stay. And so that has caused a whole host of problems with, you know, server infrastructure, not being an infinite resource. So, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about new world today, but that is a stark contrast with what final fantasy is as a strategy moving forward. If you're interested in the topic, that's actually uh, how I've got this uh, podcast outlined with that final topic being like the contrast of 14's current issues with how New World launched and its issues with Q times and how they addressed it. And obviously the problems <laughs> that has introduced that Josh's recent uh, New World video, I'm sorry if you actually published one today as I was preparing for this, but your last video talking about the timeline of failure, Josh, I think is a really interesting uh, like watch. Guys, if you have a couple, you know, 45 minutes, I believe, uh, to be able to go and just enjoy that, it, it goes and walks you through the entire uh, timeline of all the drama that existed with uh, New World. Now, personally speaking, just so that no one's like shocked by this, like I, I freaking adore that game. Like it is, I don't know why, um, because there's no nostalgia. One of the things that MMOs typically have to build off of is nostalgia, right? However, for me, just to kind of what I identified was it reminds me of growing up in East Texas, lots of trees, like lots of fall, like it really feels like I'm a kid again. And that's the, that's the connection I ended up making. I was like, that's my nostalgic connection to this game. It makes me feel like I'm a kid again. And that was just something that was like, oh, okay, that's wild. But I got a couple of people to thank that helped this uh, show become a reality. And then we're going to get into our, uh, our topic sections here. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoy the show. Be sure to like, favorite, subscribe and share and uh, clip. Also, that's a, that's a thing you could do here on YouTube, but be righteous, plague of D Redline, uh, Rick, uh, Red Rocket. Dark Wolf, Psycho Cordell, WG Productions, Keelan, and Luke T for your constant support of making these shows, helping cover the cost of hosting fees for the podcast. So that's why you also get the uh, the audio version of this day and date is because people have uh, been so generous with their money, helping to kind of cover the cost of podcasting. Anybody who runs a podcast knows, um, like I can post to YouTube all day long for free, but then if I post an MP3 file, geez Louise, people want <laughs> people want real money for that. So it is a uh, it is a funny uh, learning experience through all that. My first question is to Josh. This is kind of our first kind of main topic. Again, with the theme of looking over 2021 and forward into 2022, what can New World do to be considered a success in your mind? Oh, that's a really interesting question. So with any MMO release, what the audience want is something they've never experienced before that they already immediately completely understand. They want brand new, but also extremely familiar at the same time. So 
new world was brand new, but you saw familiarity in the trees, in the running around, in the camera angles, in the gathering, in the crafting. A lot of people compared it to RuneScape, which I think for the gathering and crafting was a, a great comparison to make because you collect the resources from various locations, you return to a central location, you make things. New World, and again, this is a great comparison with Final Fantasy XIV, New World needs to have an adventure to go on that doesn't rely on the players making it. Because when you rely on the players to make something, you very quickly realize most players are terrible at making things. It's Have you ever played that game in school where you write a sentence on a piece of paper yep. and then you fold it over and pass it to someone else? and they, Or you draw a bit of a picture and they fold it and pass it to someone else. And then yeah. you unfold it at the end. And it's very funny because it doesn't make any sense. And it's a bit weird and a bit strange. And it's fun to do once or twice. But then you realize you're laughing at the novelty of the craziness and the zaniness, not actually the extremely well-constructed, professionally made narrative and story and characters and connecting all together. What New World has done is it's created a lovely looking world. It looks beautiful and the sound is absolutely phenomenally good. The sound design is top notch and the, the skills work. I feel that the numbers weren't balanced, seeing as they've gone back and they've redone all the experience and they've redone the numbers and they've made the experience a lot harder to get and they've made levels a lot harder to gain. But what they forgot to add into this world is a reason to be there beyond what the individual players give you. So with a game like Rust or a game like Ark or a game like Minecraft without the story mode, you log in, you have some fun, someone else logs in, they have some fun and play the game, and then you realize, oh, there's another person over there. I can create a narrative with that person. We can try and do something together. And that's what happened with New World. But the problem with this is once those other people start to leave, which we've seen they've already done, 90% of the player base has gone already, you are left with a big, open, empty world with nothing to do in it. I think what New World needs to do is cater to, and I know people hate me for saying this, cater to casual players who don't want to rely on other players to give them fun. The game needs to be fun without other players there, and they just enhance that fun already. And we see it multiple times in every MMORPG that does this. Mortal Online, released, no main story, didn't do too well. Life is Feudal, released, no main story, has since shut down. Rise On, released, not too much main story, has since shut down. Story is an important part of the MMORPG element, because the role-playing aspect of it needs you to have a character to go through a story. If you don't have that central narrative, that central story, what you have is a huge online playground. And these worked when they were novel. They worked when they were still new and interesting, effectively a glorified chat room. People called EverQuest the world's prettiest chat room. And it was great when you couldn't do that anywhere else. But now the chat and the social interaction, the social facilitation that other things have provided us with, WhatsApp, Discord, YouTube, Twitch, the MMORPG can't rely on it's an online playground as a strength anymore because there are so many online playgrounds. They need to rely on it's an adventure that you can go on with other people there as well. And when we look at the MMOs that have been successful and are still successful, Final Fantasy XIV, the Elder Scrolls Online, Guild Wars 2, Guild Wars 1, seeing as that's still going, RuneScape, they've all given a central narrative structure for the player to go on and use other players to enhance this. New World has not. What do you think, Lona? I mean, I, I, I have to agree that when you don't have 
a central sort of drive. I talked about this when No Man's Sky first came out. You sort of drown in the futility. You don't really know exactly what you're supposed to be doing because it's almost like there's too much freedom. And No Man's Sky has really honed itself. And there's all these different lanes of things you can do now. If you want to become a minor farmer pirate, or you want to go to the center of the universe, you want to work on the Artemis narrative, you know, campaigns and things like that there's there's that sense of like purpose and i think new world gets something right in that everything you do creates this linear sense of progression you're chopping a tree down or killing a wolf doesn't matter that is moving you further but i think what happens is you you crest over the edge of the mountaintop and you're like what did i do all that for like where's the what's what's the point now and i do think every MMORPG and RPGs in general do have a point of like you're kind of done you're kind of waiting for either like the seasonal content that they just delivered today the first thing I said when I went to the landing page was man this looks an awful lot like Destiny's pages where they talk about their events like the dawning or Vessel of the Lost and I think Amazon Games is taking a page honestly right out of the Bungie playbook with how they've structured this seasonal content and I have always said, I actually think, so this is where I'm going to agree with Josh, that their main focus and their meat and potatoes here are the mid lane players. I don't necessarily think casual gamers play New World, but I think there are people who play New World casually. I think they play it in a more casual oh, yeah. way. The bearded And dads. I think that's, <laughs> yeah, I think that's your lifeblood. I think those are the people that, is- that are going to keep coming back. I've always said, I said from moment one, I don't think New World is built for the traditional MMO fans. I think they're going to gobble it up and spit it out and be like, there's not enough here for me. And certainly I, that happened for more reasons than just the mid, the, the early and the mid game in New World. The end game is still very shaky in New World. It just doesn't, it doesn't have legs. It's, it's been, it was mismanaged to a certain extent. A lot of the numbers weren't making sense. It was like there was there was even stuff that you couldn't even get in the end game. And I think that sort of betrayed their philosophy that they, I think, are focusing more on the mid lane player. The real challenge they're facing now, I have said time and time again, their communication needs to be significantly improved. We had no idea what was happening this week. The winter event was supposed to land on Tuesday. They retweeted a an article written by newworldfans.com that said it was supposed to start on the 14th when it didn't happen they undid that retweet and then just like later that day they were like we're excited to update you about the update and i was like what what does that even yeah that was that was the message i i saw that too and i was like i'm really curious about what you guys think about it because yeah that was (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, there's a positive and negative, right? Because I'm I, like I'm a software engineer by trade, and so one of the core issues that I've identified that they've had is that they're kind of in this like gotta go, go okay, we gotta fix this issue, and then oh no, we just introduced a new issue, but we fixed that one. All right, now we gotta run into this. It's like I kept saying, like slow down, just slow down, and yes, people might be upset for another day, but they'll be much happier if they're not upset the following day with a whole like if it's a whole a big mess right and so that's where it's like i'm happy that they're waiting and like okay we've we're, we're making sure it's ready and that's you know so far just like kind of cruising the forms and this weekend will be a good test to see if the latest patch is not you know breaking the whole you know the whole economy again um but then you're right like who saw that who saw that like who out there is like they said it's on the 14th where is it at 
Um, no, nothing, mm. no mention of it on the homepage when logging in. Like they're like, yes. Anyway, go continue, Lona. I, I jumped in. We well, we had a fiery debate about this in my stream because I said server mergers should have happened three weeks ago. Like, what's happening? Where where's the information? Where's the where's the timeline? Where's the communication? And somebody's like, oh, they announced that they're happening on the eighth. And I said, where? I said, I'm checking the the homepage. I'm checking the Twitter. Oh, it's in the dev blog forums. I was like, what? Why is that in there? I said, this has got to be one of the single most important things right now that needs to be addressed because. The player numbers, I kept saying, if the player numbers drop below 150,000 player peaks a day, that's going to be cause for concern because you're going to have so many servers that can't even do the basics. Because when a server gets below a certain threshold, this game doesn't work. You have a dead economy. You have, you'll have territory, you know, complete territory like lopsidedness. And then does somebody at that moment risk using their one-time transfer? And even then they don't know unless you use the one website to check server health. There's no real way to know, should I go, should I not? And so they needed to get in front of that. And I think them not adequately communicating, hey guys, we regret to tell you that the, the festival won't be happening today. We will let you know what date that it's going to launch once we have that information it's better to have disappointing information than to have disappointment and confusion like no one knows what's going on and we also can clearly see the events not happening and so that i think was very similar to how they handled the server merges it's like they're not really doing an excellent job of taking all of the information and collating it into a way where people can kind of have a sense of what is happening. And that's why I said my number one request from them for next year is a roadmap. I don't need fine details. I don't need specific breakouts of content, but what's the roadmap generically just maybe break it down by quarter one, two, three, and four. Like, what are you hoping to accomplish? What do you have DLCs planned? What about the servers? What about, you know, you know, the, the tunings and stuff. They just, they just re, re, totally jettisoned high watermark system from the game and introduced expertise, which it clearly means they're willing to listen to the community and make big changes. They even, they even totally revamped elements of the expertise system before it was implemented based on player feedback. And it's like, man, I, I cheer that on. That's good. That's a great symbiotic relationship, but without that communication and that confidence in the player base, are you going to have anybody left? Like, is it even going to matter? So I think a roadmap, and I do think they're going to need a big DLC moment. I don't think that's mm -hmm. deniable at this point to really bring people back. And when they do that, what are servers going to look like after all these mergers that they're get, they're getting ready to do a couple more regions yeah. today or tomorrow? More, more I think. NA East, like we just uh, the uh, US East just started doing some. So I've actually been just like really waiting and excited about uh, server mergers because ultimately, what's interesting, and we'll get to this in our last segment though, but is that they had like they had this huge rush, like just massive amounts of interest. They hadn't, I didn't think they had another choice, but spinning up new servers. But even at the time we were, we were podcasting at the time and it was like, this is going to be a problem down the road. And one of the core issues, like if you're going to look at, you know, kind of like what to do better, you know, for anybody out there listening, thinking about launching a massive game, uh, is like to make sure you have your merging and transfer features set up from day one, because that's going to be really critical to the thing. So a lot of people that I've talked to are like, I'm on break until after the merger, like, cause it's like, I don't feel like playing with 50 people. And when, when you play new world and there's like 2000 people on the server, like it is freaking incredible. Like it is such an incredible experience 
in my in my opinion and so i was like blown away by it now i want to go to chris because obviously we're talking about this subject what, what are your thoughts chris i i think the the lack of vision is concerning in the short term and it can be a roadmap it can be a core leader who says i can see new world and you're gonna be along the ride but what it feels like is kind of like you've gone to a party and like there's not one person organizing it and so like one person's organizing where everybody parks and one person's organizing where the food is and one person's organizing the drinks and like when they all go different directions it's just like this just becomes a mess and so like by not getting us all on the same page it feels like there are a lot of people working very hard but they can't communicate a clear message because i don't know that there is one um, and so to the original question for Josh, the original question was like, what defines this as a success? And like, we can tell what traits are lacking in non-successful games and see what traits are there in successful games and try to create a profile. But ultimately what makes a game important to me long-term is staying power. It doesn't have to be timeless. It has to be of its time. We talk very fondly about games of old and it's because they were perfectly of their time. And so it it's staying power and the problem with staying power is you don't get it on day one it's earned mm -hmm. and so like there's nothing right or wrong on day one and that's the hard thing is like am i doing good yeah but keep going like like you you can't earn legacy status there's no amount of perfection on day one was going to get you to that legendary i remember new world that's something that requires day in and day out grinding and you gotta just stick with it um and that's something that the bigger games that we reference as examples have. And so when you compare it to things like Rust and Ark Survival and like even like Elite Dangerous and things like that, those are seasonal games where people come in and they play and then more content or a fresh season or a fresh ladder or, you know, Path of Exile stuff drops. And that's always worked really well in the action RPG space. And there's a lot of action RPG spell elements in New World. So if it's going to be seasonal, that's fine. That like having having seasons where it's 100% of the players and then 5% of the players that's not death's kiss on its own. Um, there are games that their entire legacy is seasonal like that. That's just what they do. Uh, you know, just like there's companies that they just sell Halloween or Christmas ornaments or so, you know, they just, they just sell decorations. That's, that's what they do. And I'm sure there are times a year when there's not a holiday that they cover that looks pretty bleak, <laughs> but if they've set aside their money, like, no, it'll come back. And so like, if they're going to take on the 14s and the wows and the guild wars, You've got to find what keeps you alive in between. And if that story, like Josh said, is kind of that core element, that's fine. Um, if it's going to be a sandbox, you've got to guide people. I think Guild Wars is an interesting one to be picked up there because Josh listed it as they have a core story, but they make that story so optional that Guild Wars in particular does also suffer from elements of sandbox where some people come in and they go, I don't have to do story. No, cool. And then they go into the sandbox, they build one sandcastle and they look up and they go, oh, that was all of the ideas I had. Um, what else can I do? And they get lost in this game that just has untold amounts of content. It's all available. The community's happy to help you. And yet you still just log out and don't come back. That's the problem I always had with Destiny. Every time I picked up Destiny, I was like, this game is great. And I don't know the next time I'm going to log out and then just forget to log back in. Like they would bring me back in and then I would just I never quit. Like it wasn't like, wow, where I like uninstalled it in this big furious moment. And I made sure that they didn't have my credit card information to bill me again. And I was like, yes, I did it. I'm done. G games like destiny. That's the fear I have for new world is that it's going to be a game that I play it. And I say, yeah, I'm going to play it again. And then one time I just don't. For me, I would say um, in terms of success, like it's hit 
the, the metrics that I've, and as it surpassed my expectation. Final Fantasy 14 launched, and I've always said that it's like even Lono, you brought up about DLC. Like I've always kind of thought like a big moment for this his this game is its expand like it's its first expansion because I was like it's going up against big games. At the time, I was thinking, wow, not so much anymore. <laughs> uh, but Final Fantasy 14 and Walker, I was like, people are like Brian, like are you gonna are you leaving 14 for New World? It's like in my mind, they don't compete. They're totally different. Just like I would play 14 and Destiny all the time like for like seven years like that's all i played those are the two games anything came out from 2013 to 2020 really i don't know about it because i've been consumed by this these two games specifically but when i look at the numbers like still generally number three on steam and somebody was trying to discount that i was like it's not available anywhere else it's not like yeah the steam numbers might drop if it was on a console but they would also be out there in some etherical thing that we can't see any for uh, these other games anyway but still continuing to maintain a player base, still maintaining in the top easily five major unless it's under maintenance or they've got massive bugs running around killing the economy. Um, but still just kind of maintaining that. And then 14 launched, and I thought it was just gonna be like gone. And it wasn't. I was like, oh, that's that was really interesting to me. So I think their success has to be based off of what they continue to do. If they continue to show up and improve on the things that like Lona was hitting on communication. If they improve on, uh, you know, like I don't, I never said I needed a roadmap in 2021 because I don't trust them. They haven't earned my trust. However, that's something that is built over time. And so at some point they will need to kind of landmark that. But I want to go to Lona with the, the kind of the second topic, because you kind of hit it on this with your answers in some way. So there might be a little bit of rehash, but we can go any which way with it. But what has New World actually gotten right for you? Because you're continuing to play it, right? Like, I think you haven't uninstalled and quit in a fit of rage. Uh, it's less dramatic because there is no subscription fee. But what has it gotten right for you, Lono? And then we'll go around the horn. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think the the seasonal thing they just launched. Uh, you can. I think they got this right. I, I mean, I know it's just the first day, but it's what you want from like a seasonal event. It's it's cool. It's fun. It's charming. You've got a way to level up with this wanderer guy and he's got all these cool things you can buy and it all looks really cool. And obviously I looked at like the tippity tippity top and I'm like, well, people that are maxed out and min max and level 60, they're probably not going to care that much. And that's where I, I, I do think they need like a transmog system that they could monetize, but that's another subject. So I think they've gotten this seasonal thing right just from my sort of preliminary look at it now prior to to that let's you know rewind the clock by a week i think one of the things they've absolutely nailed is they make the mundane and the tedious enjoyable and if you can do that i think that's why people have adored the game and they want it to continue and they kind of want to know what's going on because this is something that is probably the leading reason that destiny is still around Destiny made the mundane and the tedious very satisfying. Didn't matter how many guys you killed, how many strikes you ran, it just felt so good to shoot guns in Destiny. And Josh touched on it. We've touched on it many times. I think the sound design and the world and the feeling. Just today, I was reminded, man, I love being in this game. I was I was just running through a forest and I could hear the swell of like locusts and I hear people hitting rocks and trees are falling. It just feels good to play. And that, that means while I'm out collecting presents or farming for a thing or going on a quest to kill something, 
I just like being in the game. It's enjoyable, even though I've done it a hundred times. You're going to chop down a thousand trees and kill 255 million wolves or whatever over the course of your time in the game. And if that's always just at its core, a pleasant and enjoyable content loop, then people will come back. It's it's memorable. I think this is one of the reasons that Anthem made people so angry because I think it was just really enjoyable to fly around and slam on the ground and do combos, but then there was nothing else really to do. So the content loop and the gameplay having such a good little hook in it baked in, but then nothing beyond it kind of made people very angry. If, yeah. if Anthem would have been very unenjoyable to play for moment one, then people wouldn't have cared. They'd have been like, this game's junk. I, like, I, I want my money back. People were angry because there was nothing beyond that. And so New World, I think, gets that so right that that's why I'm not too concerned about the game long term. I look at the seasonal format. I look at the player base numbers. I'm like, okay, they, they can they can easily maintain this. I think their biggest their biggest struggle is going to be they fundamentally have baked in you need servers to be like running well with people because the economy and the territory and all those pvp aspects those things fall flat real quick if a server goes into derelict status if there's just not enough people playing so they get that right and i i honestly think that is so foundationally the single most important thing in an ongoing game is your gameplay content loop needs to be incredibly satisfying and intuitive because if it's not people are the the familiarity breeding contempt aspect is going to immediately make them sort of sense this isn't that enjoyable this isn't that fun or i'm sick of doing this mm -hmm. and those things i think stand out more if the content loop itself isn't just pristinely enjoyable and that's probably the strongest thing in their corner i think now i would say the same question to josh but also would like to get some thoughts from you on monetization and your thoughts and perhaps even concerns and we can also bring back monetization for lono as well but josh sure i'm concerned about the monetization because it's a buy once game so once they have your money they have no real incentive to continue getting your money uh they they sold you the game you have the game uh you can't refund the game after you've played it for more than two hours and the tutorial takes about two hours which i think was brilliantly designed and then they don't really have any incentive to keep you paying again they've probably made more money back than they spent making it so they're probably in profit already and i feel that this is a dangerous place because if amazon decided i don't think they will but if amazon decided to say right let's just try again let's let's go with another game let's forget this at the time they're in a position where they could do that and not lose too much money i think that cosmetics is a great idea as long as it's not a mechanical advantage i am more than happy for games to sell cosmetics if you want to sell and look a certain way or sound a certain way that's absolutely fine my opinion on any kind of microtransaction is as long as it isn't giving you a mechanical advantage because that's a very slippy slope as soon as you start to sell advantage for money where does it stop how much of an advantage if you're paying to skip your content are you just saying your content isn't fun to play or is worth skipping or should be removed to make a better game to jump in on that thought because i do want you to finish mm -hmm. it but also mm -hmm. in relation to the actual sandbox loop of territory mm -hmm. control meaning yeah. you see you, you sold me an advantage in a pve game I'm yeah. the sucker for spending the money. You selling you an advantage, yeah. and now we're act like I have to spend the money to try and keep up with you, and you get that psychological mindset, and that's actually a big concern for mine. But I jumped in. Go ahead, Josh. It is. But here's what I see it going from. Um, let's say Dungeons and Dragons. I completely agree with Lono that the loop of gameplay moment to moment is great. 
the mining, the sound effects are solid. They sound good. They look good. You see it going into your inventory. It's got a nice little animation in the bottom right-hand corner of flying up and into it. And it looks good. Chopping the trees down. Seeing a tree fall in the distance and hearing that crash and seeing the birds fly. It's a beautiful place to be. It's a lovely place to exist in for a small amount of time, right up until you ask the question, why am I here? And that, I think, is a dangerous moment. If you don't ask, what am I doing this for? It's beautiful to stay in. And you can just stay there for as long as you want to. Imagine going to play Dungeons and Dragons with a dungeon master who has the coolest possible room. You know, it's like an actual dungeon. There are flames and torches on the walls, and there's an amazing tapestry on the table, and you've all got these perfectly printed lead miniatures, and they say, right, what's the game? And he's like, I haven't really got one. Um, everything looks nice, looks good, smells, smells good, got food, got drink. We can all have a great experience here. And you go, well, what's the story? What's the hook? What's the core? What's the reason we are competing? What is the challenge that we are taking down? And the DM just looks at you and kind of goes, you got to make that up. And then you think, okay, so people start to leave your group and then you come back to your group and you sit down and it's lovely still, but you're the only one left in the group. I looked at some of the uh, server statuses and one of the servers had five people online. It's a big game five people. Multiple servers had less than 100 people online. So I believe that you're totally correct when you say server merges should have happened ages ago. But that also leads to the idea that if server merges need to happen for it to be a good game, you are reinforcing the idea that the player base is required for this to be a good game. What does it say about the world if you take the people away from it, you put one or two players in, and suddenly you don't want to be that? If the reason you want to be in the world is because the social facilitation that it's allowing is fantastic, then what you have is a huge online socialization space. And these need reasons for people to come back, because like you said earlier, you might log out and never log in again. A lot of people leave friendship groups then don't go back to them. If what New World is relying on is being a social facilitator, it will only be strong up until a better social facilitator comes along and does something more efficiently. I think one of the biggest issues we have with New World is beyond its superficial beauty, when you actually look at the, the gameplay loop and the challenges that you can look forward to, the challenges that you can talk to other people about having overcome, they are all based on other players setting up situations for you to get involved in, like PvP like taking on some uh, attacking a town or defending an area. And when those situations don't happen, you're going to have a vastly different experience. If I said, oh, my God, it was amazing. There were 50 versus 50 attacking a town, defending muskets, bows, rapiers, battling. And I'm on a server with 10 people. I'm never going to have that experience. I will never be able to have the experience that people have sold to me. And I think that is being shown in the numbers. There's something called the Pareto Principle, which is the 80-20 split. You can divide most things into 80% and 20%. 80% of New World players probably don't care about this. They just log in, do a bit of dailies for a bit, log out, just enjoy it. New World had nearly a million players on day one. A few days ago was the very first time the Steam 24-hour charts dropped below 100,000 players. So it was 98,000 people. It's lost 90%. New World has no problem getting people to try it, but it has a huge problem getting people to stay because it either wasn't what people thought it was going to be or it hasn't yet found a reason for them to stay. Isn't that the same problem, though, of 
the majority, if not all, of those. Because I mean, from my experience, you could that critique I could have leveraged against Final Fantasy fourteen, Destiny, absolutely, ESO. You know, like yes, uh, you know, Guild Wars. Like all of that is that yeah. that key aspect. The difference in those games versus this one is that, and then also the ones that are no longer around, like mm -hmm. you know, uh, Wildstar and uh, mm -hmm. you know, Warhammer Online. Like those stop. They they stopped yeah. making content versus those who continue to make content. Obviously, I think I have a great love for fourteen. But Chris, I'd love to go and let you kind of weigh in with your thoughts. So I think there there are games that function off of the player base. You know, games like Rust, um, and and there's a huge interest. There are people that I watch Rust videos and I don't play Rust, and I don't think that's atypical. I think Chat's talking about that right now, and and so like there are games that can succeed on that. Now, unfortunately they're not getting money from me if that's the case. So it does start to become a question of monetization. Um, Eve online is a game that is entirely player driven. I mean, that's, that's what it does and it, and it can do fine. And, but your game has to be designed in a way where if you remove the players, it doesn't fall totally on its face while you wait for the players to come. Um, and so like Eve online, if too few, if it gets down to too few people, those markets just die. Uh, and so you require, so they have a, you have a secured space and you have no sex space on the outside. No sex space is where the players exist and you have a core game that kind of just has the batteries. It has the lights turned on so that there was something there on day one. There was something there in the before times. And if the game ever shrunk back down, it would just creep back in and it could expand again. Rust, when you have these games where you have, um, you know, things like Minecraft, things like Diablo, where there's a seasonal aspect. We spun up a thousand servers for the first season and we spun up a hundred servers for the second season and that wasn't enough. So we spun up 200 for the third season. So then these world mergers would have kind of taken care of themselves if these seasons were towards an end goal. And then one faction went out and then all the worlds died and your character carried on into a new set of servers and we played through again. That would have taken care of this. So like any number of different design choices could have gotten it to this point. The problem is now they've set up a system where the, the worlds aren't meant to merge because who gets ownership of the zone? Who, like, how does all this, it's not designed to go back together. It's very easy to split it apart, but there's no way to get it back together. And that's why the last time that I was on this podcast and we were talking about New World, that was the concern with how rapidly they were splitting it apart, was we all understand there needs to be more servers, but you are doing this at an endless rate. You're writing a blank check. You're not saying how few extra servers can we split off. You're saying as many as it needs, go nuts. And you're just writing this huge blank check. And then on the other side, you're going to have to pay it. And your system doesn't have any way to process that payment. It has no way to go back. There is no undo button. Uh, and so on the topic of what does it do well, what's going to make it worth dealing with the fact that they're going to have to go through something they didn't plan for, what it does well is that intrinsic value of being fun. The fact that the game can tell me I shot my 5,000th rabbit and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like, I wouldn't go hunt down 5,000 rabbits in any other game. But here I'm like, that gave me nothing and I did it just to do it like extrinsic and intrinsic rewards. So sometimes games like this realize, okay, I heard Josh's video that sounded really good. So I want to pick on one word out of his whole speech. And he said the word retention. So let me go ahead and say, they don't have the ability to, so we'll just put in retention mechanics and we'll artificially, Ugh. once we get them in, we'll trap them. Oh, they won't that. be able to leave. Yeah. And you start to have extrinsic rewards. We'll give them a mount every third time they log in. We'll give them a cosmetic if they log in for 30 days continuous. And we'll just make them feel like, hey, don't worry about whether or not you want to play. You have to play. And that's not fun. So like retention starts to be a really scary word because if people latch onto that concept and don't listen to everything you said after that, it can go down a really slippery slope 
uh, where we forget about what makes New World fun. The fact that I just I just like being there, just like Destiny. I don't know why the shooting is more satisfying in Destiny than other shooters. I, I can't. Gears of War sounds great and it looks great and. I like watching it. I like what they're doing. But like when I put a controller in my hands and I play Destiny, there is something distinctly different. And if I could describe it, if anybody could describe it, somebody would figure out how to repeat it and the whole genre would get better because why would you make anything worse? But you can't. It's not repeatable. Destiny is the only one that feels exactly like that. I don't know how they've done it. All the different monetization schemes they've tried, everything they've messed with, the core gameplay feels good. So I hope they never lose that. That's what makes New World feel special. Um, because at this point, they are going to have to start to make some big changes. Those are going to cost money. Amazon is pretty good at making money. So I think they're going to want to monetize it in some way. And my problem with monetization is monetize it however you want. I don't care that BDO exists and is pay to win. doesn't bother me. Uh, you, you mentioned that you know there's Warhammer behind you. I went to a Warhammer tournament not that long ago. Well, it was a long time ago because of COVID, but the, you know, it, it doesn't, <laughs> and, not and that it, many, it's just I left my house year. not that many times between now and then. Mm -hmm. And the tournament was for charity. And mm -hmm. at the beginning of the tournament, for anybody not familiar with Warhammer, it's effectively a chess game meets risk. And so you're playing through a risk game and each piece has its own rules. And it's, it's a dice-based game. And there are rules around how often you can say, I can re-roll a dice. I can take a mulligan. How high do I have to roll? How low do I have to roll? And it's a whole bunch of dice. And as part of the charity, at the beginning when you got there, you could donate to charity and they would give you re-rolls. And you just got to carry re-rolls into your games across this tournament, which is literally pay to win. I roll and if I get, if I get a six, your guy dies if you don't roll a six also. I roll a six, you roll a five, you use one of your re-rolls, you roll a six, guy doesn't die. That changed the outcome because you paid money. But I went to that tournament. They'd explained the rules in advance. They'd sent us a PDF. I went. There were people who donated more than me. They had more re-rolls than me. There were real prizes on the line. There was real pride on the line. There were real sweaty gamers in a room all having fun. And it didn't bother me an ounce that some other guy donated a bunch more money than I did to some local charity. I, it's fine though. That's the rules we agreed to play under. And so like, I don't care how new world monetizes as long as now we get back to the roadmap. Tell me what your monetization practice is. Cause for people that can't handle going to a Warhammer tournament where somebody might beat you cause they spent more money. Um, they're just not going to go. And so if you tell me your monetization practices and I don't like it, I'll just leave. And I, I hope everybody that I don't play BDO. I'm glad everybody that does has fun and I hope it's amazing. That's not somewhere I'm going to have fun. So like make it really clear on front. And then that way we can all decide whether or not new world is something that we want to contribute more money to after that initial purchase. I want to give uh, Lono the ability to kind of like round out his thoughts, especially as it relates to monetization. Another game that I know that you're excited about that also kind of relates a little bit to this subject is lost Ark, being a free to play MMORPG. Uh, Lono floor is yours. Yeah, I've gotten a ton of pushback on this idea because people do not like microtransactions. And um, I'm I'm sort of known for saying that if I'm playing a game and I'm enjoying it, I want the developers to make buckets of cash because if they make tons of money, then they're going to keep making the game. Like this idea that profit is the devil and that, the, you know, I guess people think all these companies should break even. They want, they're not going to make m much more of your game if that's all they're doing is breaking even. You, you want them to be very profitable if you like the games that you're playing. 
And so I had said, looking at the, the cosmetic store, one of the things that is always a, just an immediate thing that I have an aversion to is, well, I'm going to look like everybody else that has bought these things. They actually don't have a ton of cosmetics in the store. If you, you break it down by weapon, there aren't very many. And I think that's fine. It's, it's okay to, to have a selection. And I think they've done a very good job with the cosmetics. The ones that came with the winter festival, I think look good. They're nice, but I always have that sense of I'm going to buy it and look like everybody else. Anybody that bought this is going to look like this. And so I said, as I was playing through the game, I was periodically finding armor that looked really cool. I was in Ebon Scale Reach, and I was like, oh, this looks so awesome, but it obviously wasn't going to help my stats, or it was medium, heavy, or light, or something, and it wasn't going to be something I could equip. And I said, man, I would right now spend money in the micro store if I could get transmog tokens, and then I could just convert anything that I wanted into a decorative element. So if I find a helmet that I love, I want to convert that into... A decorative element so anytime i wear a helmet i can make it look like this like i'm willing to spend money on that and boy oh boy did i get pushback people said no you know transmog should be free it you should be you should be able to make yourself look however you want it shouldn't cost any money and fundamentally i came down and said listen there is no transmog in the game right now so you're not entitled to it and secondly they have to come up with the monetization structure that will let this game go long term you're not paying a subscription fee who knows what their DLC pricing structure will look like. This event they just put in the game doesn't cost a dime, unless, of course, you want to buy some of the, the cosmetics in the store. There's plenty of things you can earn that look very cool and have ice on them and stuff. And so I got a ton of pushback on that. And I generally pushed back and just was like, well, then what would you come up with? Because I guess the alternative would just be to absolutely just obliterate the store with tons of different cosmetics because... To me, you're going to get way more capital out of all the great armor and weapons in the game if I can make myself look however I want if I'm willing to spend the money. And if I don't want to spend the money, then I think I would be open to hearing a debate about, well, at least let me earn that appearance in some way. Like if I really like this particular armor set, you know, can I grind for it? so that I can look that way. It's gotta be measurable though, because one of the things that you can easily get into a tricky mindset, especially when it has that, is that, oh, they've tuned this so hard so that I have to spend money and that ends up just being this. Yes. Like, and, and honestly, for me, like to jump in on exactly what you're saying is that monetization in a game is really all about trust. And that's where, when you look at Final Fantasy 14 versus uh, New World, and I wanna go to Chris for his uh, kind of his big core topic here for our final segment here, but is that, I see gamers all the time happy to shill money for Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy XIV giving free time right now because they're just too dang unpopular, uh, you know, going through that situation. And players are like, I don't want the free time. I, I want to help support you guys. And I said, well, just go to the cash shop because they have one. And that's where it's like when people said, I'll see people and gamers say, cash shops are horrible, but like, you know, as long as that but is related to a trust relationship with a game that they have like that, that, that adoration for, then they're fine with it. There's always, there's always an exception. As I, I told chaos, we were doing a podcast and I was like, I'm a hypocrite too. Like I'll like you find that right situation and I'm happy to help, you know, support it. I bought a lunar whale for final fantasy 14, you know, like I've gone to the fan fest. Like I I'm happy to support. And when you have that like trust in the publisher, I think gamers are happy to like, to, to even brag about that like yeah like i can't believe i spent so much money you know on this game i think lifetime all in all I've, i'm in final fantasy 14 thousands of dollars considering 11 years of subscription and 
you know, expansions and et cetera. You know, not only that in my wife's time that I, you know, that we, we pay for as well. So it's like, yeah, like, I think that's really good. But uh, I kind of hinted on uh, Chris's third kind of segment uh, and this kind of a focus topic for Chris. Looking at the contrast of Final Fantasy XIV and New World, you hit on it earlier in terms of the scale of the servers, just kind of throwing that, you know, out. Where in 14, I honestly feel like, gosh, a part of me wishes that they had they had Amazon like right in their back, AWS right in the corner. And they're like, okay, here's your data center and things like that. Why don't you give everybody kind of an update of what's going on and, and kind of share your thoughts as it relates to New World and 14. So Final Fantasy XIV, for anybody that hadn't followed the game, um, started in 1.0. It was a complete disaster 11 years ago. The game went offline, and they relaunched it as 2.0, A Realm Reborn, and we call that our starting point. Uh, that is our saga. That has been going through multiple expansions. We are now an Endwalker, which is going to, with its launch, be the finale of the narrative element of the game, and the game will continue in 6.0. Um, along the way, I talked about earlier how we've picked up a lot of players along the way, and it's it's just in a good spot, and it's... 10 years to overnight success. So it, it looks like, wow, they just got so lucky. Yeah, they just got so lucky that they had eight years of brilliant content, brilliant leadership, practice at communication uh, at a time when the market wanted a game like that. Yes, yes, that was the long con. They knew eight years ago if they just put the work in, eventually somebody would ask for a good game exactly right now. Um, but the problem is right now they can't buy more servers and they've talked about openly and publicly that they'd like to buy them above market price and it just doesn't exist. Uh, and so as people try to log in all on server launch days, we're talking about MMOs here. So everybody here should be familiar with launch weeks. It's very fun to be part of launch week. It's fun to be part of the crowd. It's amazing. Uh, but it comes at a cost. Every launch has a different problem. And you don't know what the problem's going to be, right? But there will be a problem. Maybe it's a leaky pipe. Maybe the building's on fire. Maybe there's just no food. Maybe somebody forgot to take out the trash. It could be a big problem, small problem. Every MMO launch has a problem. And in hindsight, we laugh about them. In hindsight, we go, I remember when. And the bigger the problem, the more fondly we tend to reminisce about, like, I lived through that. Yeah, but ultimately, true. that's the problem. And the, the problem here is that they literally don't have server space. So you're running into queues. But unlike New World, they had a cap on their queues. It can only have 17,000 people. There's only 17,000 people before the line, before they run out of rope. And they don't have rope for everybody to stand in line. And so the bouncer just doesn't let you get in line. So you boot up the launcher and the launcher just crashes because there's no room in the line. And you're like, oh my gosh, I lost my spot in line. No, 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 it's worse than that. You didn't get a spot in line. Now that would have all been fine because everybody would have just patiently waited until they could get in the 17,000, get from 17,000 into the game. And once you're in the game, it's been mostly pretty good. Everything considered, it's been a, it's a really good experience. I'm not going to talk about the actual gameplay because the community is incredibly sensitive to spoilers, but like, the game has run. It's done its job. And that is evident by the fact that people are playing it more hours than they should possibly be playing it each and every day since it came out on December 3rd. Now, the problem is that randomly, while you were in line, you could also be kicked out of line. So you get into line, you told your 5,000, you're like, okay, that's an estimated two hours. I'll go make some dinner and then I'll eat dinner at my desk and I'll watch the number. And when it goes down, I'll play. No, because you can get to like number 13 and then you can get kicked out and then you can hop back in. And it's like, hey, on your server of the 17,000 for your region, we got you in at number 5,500. Now, they did say that they do have a mechanic that allows you to, like other games, get you back in your spot in line as long as you re-log in with, and I quote, some tens of seconds. We don't know how long it is, <laughs> but there is a, an, an amount of time that the server is tracking. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll tell you if you get in within the amount of time because you'll get your spot back. 
um, will tell you if you don't get in with the amount of time because you'll get yeeted all the way to the back. Best of luck. That's where they're at. The gameplay is not what anybody's complaining about. It is literally, can I log in? Now, my answer has been is I play games in the mornings. Um, first of all, as a content creator on weekdays, but also on weekends, it's just easiest for my wife and I if I get up early for things like this and I play in the morning and the server loads, all these people that stay up drinking Mountain Dew and Red Bull all night, they pass out at 5 a.m. and the servers clear out. And so I've been hopping in, in, I mean, as of opening weekend, I've been having almost no queue times because my life is that flexible. But there are people who their work schedule or their personal life or just their preferences, they pay for the game. They want to play when they want to play. They want to play at the same 7 to 10 p.m. as everybody else. And they are literally not able to. And they paid for this game. They took time off work. The original launch date was November 19th with like 13 days to go. They moved it to December 3rd. So a lot of people had their PTO just utterly demolished because they couldn't get it back. So like the whole launch has been a fiasco. And so there is two groups of people. There are the AM players who are all like, I mean, I don't want to tell you about it, but the game's really good. And then there's the PM players who are just pulling their hair out. Um, and they have given out 21 days as of this point, 21 days of free time. So that's that's the big catch up. And so as comparing that to New World, I think the comparison kind of speaks for itself. There is just a complete lack of server space as people slam into this. Now, we haven't come out the other side where we lose, where we bleed off everybody who's done with MSQ. That will happen. Um, and it's getting better. Some amount of the patching, some amount of the patching, the pessimist in me is like, they don't have to fix it. It'll also just fix itself as people realize <laughs> I don't have 15 hours a day to play anymore because like I have to go shower and eat and have a job and like like life will eventually bleed people back out so what do you think about that josh just to jump back one point onto uh lono's <laughs> yeah, discussion ahead. of microtransactions uh, you're spot on it's exactly how it should be done that's perfect there's, there's nothing wrong with that situation at all that's exactly how runescape 3 does it they have their keepsake tokens you purchase a keepsake token you can change the override the you know visual override of one thing to the stats of another it's how adventure quest 3d does it you have one item that's equipped for stats and one item that's equipped for visuals guild wars 2 does it the same way mm -hmm. with the ability to pay money because you want to make it as easy as possible to give a company money a company wants to admit to be super easy to get your money one of the biggest failings of final fantasy 14 yes, is it's thank you. Would be difficult to give them money glad you said that so yeah, I love the idea. Someone in the chat said, as long as it's still accessible through regular gameplay. So if you could pay real money to get a, a cosmetic token, if you will, and to give the stats of one item the look of another, or you could maybe have a vendor in the game that sells these cosmetic tokens for gold as well, so you can buy them off him, or you can just spend a bit of money if you don't want to grind a few hours to get the cosmetic token. But yeah, that's a great idea. That's a brilliant way to do it, to make sure as long as the gameplay isn't affected mechanically by cash input beyond the original purchase of the game or the subscription, it can't be considered pay to win. It would just be pay for cosmetics, which is a great idea. Sure. As far as the new world versus Final Fantasy goes, why are people still wanting to log in 10 years after, uh, many, many years after Final Fantasy XIV started its narrative story? And it's exactly what you said. It's the, the conclusion of eight years worth of story of reason for all of us to play to go through and one of the things that mmorpgs face all the time is story creep 
Oh, you killed the big bad guy. Oh, that was nothing. This was a bigger bad guy. Oh, you killed that big bad guy. Oh, that was you killed the Lich King. Not a problem. Deathwing's here. You killed Deathwing. Not a problem. Pandaria is unreleased. You killed that. Not a problem. This is it's always more and more and more and more and more. And RPGs do eventually need to end. They need to finish. They need to have that story that stops and then a new story is built up. Final Fantasy is doing this incredibly brave thing where it's saying, hey, all that story that you've invested in, those characters that you know, those locations that you care about, here's the conclusion. That's exactly why there are so many people queuing to get into the game. People are looking at New World. There's now not much of a queue to get into the game because people are realizing they don't have any characters in there that they necessarily care about. They don't have any locations that they will come to fondly remember for having stories and events associated with them. They don't have any storylines that they're picking up and holding on to. I think Final Fantasy XIV is proof that if you care for your player base, the fact they're giving out you know, 21 free days worth of gameplay is amazing. That's absolutely fantastic. That On day is 14. The just for doing the math. We are, we are 14 days in, and they've given us 21 free days. Just for right. an interesting comment on the math wow okay they didn't really roll them so <laughs> hopefully it won't get even longer well but. and that's the thing it and there's i don't want to sit here and say that it will but i do yeah. suspect that like there's not magical servers that are just appearing and yoshi p talked about 2022 january as a time of we'll talk to you about that roadmap they're definitely like hunting for it which for me there's a frustrating narrative that i've had i kind of got mad at a couple commenters because they're like oh they clearly are like laughing all the way to the bank it's like no, they, they like if you just do some bare minimum math, $45 million is what they've just given out to their community this month. Like at like a rough estimate based off of just sheer volume. Like, yeah, I'm sure they'd rather hold on to that money. Like, and I'd rather them hold on to that money and make more of whatever they're working on. Uh, Cause I'm a, I'm a huge final fantasy nerd, but go ahead, Josh. I so what we need to do now is we need to look at the same situation that every single MMO goes through. You mentioned how launch day is mm -hmm. always, there's always a problem. And human beings connect and bond and we form, you know, memories based on shared difficulties, shared problems that we solve together. If a load of people go through a difficult situation or a difficult time, they will bond. They will remember that. That is the story they will tell. Everyone will say, oh, I was there on launch day. Oh, you were there on launch day. It was terrible. We went through this terribleness together. Final Fantasy XIV will, will definitely have that, oh, I was queuing up for Endwalker. But once a an expansion has come out, people play it, and then that you see what else is in the expansion to keep people around, and then the player base drops off. And then a new expansion comes out, and people come back and play it, and then it drops off. You can literally look at World of Warcraft doing this up and down and up and down and up and down. So Endwalker is going to come out, people are going to play it, and just like New World... It's going to have a lot of players. The question then is, will they stay? Will they have reasons to log back into the game? Will they have reasons to stay? And this huge end, effectively, of the story is going to be a fantastic onboarding point for new players for the next story. I hope Final Fantasy XIV doesn't do the, oh, but here's a bigger bad guy. Oh, but here's a bigger bad guy that World of Warcraft fell into over the you know past few years of expansions. It needs to be willing to step back and say, that is finished. Here is a new story. We will start off again, small, low, local hero. And then you will build up and up and up and up and up. Huge big climax. Go back to the story, local hero, build up and up and up and up and up. Huge big climax. I hope that this queue we are seeing is people that will love the conclusion 
and then sets the stage for a brilliant new beginning that in 10 years' time, there'll be another podcast on talking about how terrible the login day is for that final expansion. The question, I, I kind of view it as like, is this the start of Marvel Phase 2? You know, like in that regard, oh, yeah. you think about like, or, or essentially when I say phase, yeah. I mean like, okay, we've had our end game mm. and now we're like setting the thing. And so we still get to build off of some of the the lore and locations mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I, I haven't can't spoil in walker for anybody i haven't had yeah. the opportunity to play it that's how crazy this has been i start my journey tomorrow because i'm taking the day off work so i can play during these beautiful non-q hours that people seem to experience but go ahead one of my one of my favorite tv shows is supernatural and supernatural oh, yeah. had about what, 17 seasons but, but really ended after five there are five seasons of supernatural yeah. see that that's the story that's the arc there are five seasons it's told and then it just carries on because it was making so much money but that was the story that was the arc mmos have a a finite story to tell and then you can tell them the story i think guild wars one did expansions phenomenally well with this so with guild wars one when a new expansion came out you could actually start the new expansion with a new character and a new class at level one and experience the entire story and then get to the end. And then a new expansion came out, start at level one with a new character, entire story, get to the end. Or you could take your character from one expansion to another and start just like one or two missions in because you didn't need to do the tutorial and then carry on as well. MMOs are in this really difficult position where what is an expansion? Is an expansion a continuation of a story or is an expansion a literal expansion of the world, of the characters within the world, of the potential within the world? I think RuneScape does it especially well, where they don't necessarily get more powerful with everything. They just put more stuff into it. So Final Fantasy XIV has a load of stuff added into it. And Endwalker has added so much stuff, I think players will return after it. It'll be interesting to see. Now, one of my goals in life is to get Lona to play Final Fantasy XIV. It's the whole reason mm-hmm. I've been inviting him on podcast. It's a lo- it's a slow <laughs> Especially play. Especially why Josh is here. It's a weird new strategy. Uh, <laughs> I, play, I play slowly. Just trying anything. Just, yeah, just throwing everything against the fence. But it's it's a goal, I, I, you know, that like that's where I've been enjoying Lona's journey into like New World and Lost Ark, like into the MMO uh, space. And so like I, I always say no pressure, but it's going to always be like, you should try the game at some point. You know, just let me know how I can help you get into the Final Fantasy. But, Lona, I'd like to, obviously, all jokes aside, I'd like to give you kind of like the the floor to kind of like round up any final thoughts that we've all kind of talked about. We hit on like an incredible show. We are at our one hour time. And I saw a super chat come in, a couple super chats actually from Fluffy. Uh, and he has actually a really interesting question that I'd like to jump into the post show with. Um, but, Lona, uh, the floor is yours. And then everybody can tell people where they find each other. If you're trying to get me to play Final Fantasy, ask my audience how long it took them to get me to uh, jump into Souls games. Yeah. So it was, uh, but you did jump a, in. Yeah, it took a long time. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm nothing but prolific <laughs> and very like just like I, I, I don't put a lot of pressure, but I'm just I'm always there. Just <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If somebody would have told me a couple of years ago that I would be like sort of you know, pushing down into MMOs and, and from software games out of like, I don't think so. Cause those are just, I just traditionally did not play those games. I'm a, I'm, I'm a very different gamer than I used to be. And that, so that there certainly is a possibility of the game like final fantasy uh, could enter the, it could enter the rotator in the carousel. Um, the, the thing I would end with is there is a very good interview that I read through on Tuesday uh, with, with the audience. They published this, I believe it was on the 12th. 
on uh, PCGamesN.com. Scott Lane, the game director of New World, sat down and did an interview about admitting they've made mistakes going too fast. And uh, a lot of what Josh hit on, they hit on in this article about they really want to focus on improving the solo player experience in the early and mid game. Now, he doesn't mention end game because obviously I think it's very difficult to do end game content in the game like this for a solo player. But I think they I think they're they're seeing that trend that, wow, we've we've got so many people that just want to play this game by themselves. And I'm extremely interested in what they want to do long term. Because so much of this game's backbone and substance is built on the idea that you have a player-driven economy and territory control and wars, and all that stuff dries up real fast if um, you're in a, a weak or thinned-out server. But it they'd have to think through, I think, what do you do then with servers or players that just aren't interested in any of that stuff? They just want to go chop down trees for two hours. Like, what do you what do you do with those people? I mean, at I, I'm very curious what they're going to do long term with the with the. I think there's like a clash of worlds going on where the the mid laners and the casuals are just happy to kind of grind and play by themselves, and then everybody else wants the wars and the territory and all of that. So I, I think they're reading this. It's actually a, a really good interview because they don't give him a bunch of softball questions. They ask very good questions, and he's very candid. And you can sense there is a very deep frustration at the company that they've had to spend so much time putting out exploit fires as opposed to just focusing on the game. Yeah. And you can you can just hear the tension and the frustration in his answers. And so I think it's an interview that gave me a lot of a lot of hope because I was being pretty nice with New World for the first month. And then, you know, the second month I was like, okay. And then recently I've, I've been a lot harder on them. I'm like, you guys have got to shape up here. Communication needs to be significantly better and, and rollouts of updates and merges and all this stuff. Just, they just need to happen in a better way. And they're probably a little gun shy because they, they understand they did things too fast and it caused problems. And so now I think now they're a little bit more apt to slow down and that's probably a good thing, but it's going to, it's going to make the problems feel like a little compounded at least for the time being so i i think the game's got a bright future but they've they've got a they got a bit of a valley they need to travel through and 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 climb out of before we can really see where we're headed where can people find you Lona? best place to find me is sntr gaming so monday through friday that's where the live shows are in the morning we typically are doing a talk show about gaming news and we've been doing a lot of double headers we've been doing two shows a day now typically we roll over into gameplay in the afternoons but been really enjoying basically doing two talk shows a day and have gotten really positive response to all the different things that we do. We even have dedicated all of Friday to from from software. Fridays is now just always from Fridays. We're kicking off every day with like an Elden Ring topic. And then I'm working my way through from software games right now. We're in Sekiro and uh, I beat apparently one of the the hinge bosses in the game get, Genichiro or whatever his name is, the guy with the lightning. <laughs> he he almost broke me. I almost didn't I almost didn't get through. But uh that's where you can find me is SNTR gaming. Josh, how about you? Where can people find you? I've got a YouTube channel, Josh Drive Hayes, where I talk about MMORPG games and play terrible ones, play good ones and review them. I've also got Josh Drive Plays, where I review retro games from back in the day. So I'm gonna be replaying the original Tomb Raider. I've also played Pokemon Red and Blue recently, the old Soul Reaver game, stuff like that. There's a clip channel called Josh Drive Says. You might be a naming convention going on here, uh, where that just highlights the Twitch channel. And there's Twitch, which is Josh Drive Hayes again. There's also an open Discord that people can 
PM me and message me at any point. So I'm, I'm pretty easily contactable on all of these things, but YouTube is the main one. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I'm glad that Josh Strife uh, says is yours because I've been seeing a lot of clip channels pop up, uh, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I, you never know with the clips channel. It could be just somebody like, all right, I'm just going to bank off. It the was, name. it was, it was some random dude and he contacted me and said, Hey, this is way more successful than I thought it would be. Do you want the channel? And I thought, no, you're doing a great job. Uh, let's make it official. Let's change the name. Let's get it all linked up and I'll advertise it to you and you advertise to other people and we'll get it all official and all made like that. So yeah, yeah it, it was a fan made thing that ended up becoming an official thing because the guy was so good at what he did. That's excellent. Yeah, that's, that's the dream. IP theft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, where can people find you? Uh, take without permission and sometimes it'll work out. Uh, that's That was my takeaway. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, uh, my, my private channel is gaming kinda, and that's where I say everything that I don't say alongside Brian over on work to game over on Twitch. We stream five days a week, uh, on work to game. It's pretty much going to be final fantasy through the end of the year, but next year I want to start gearing back into guild wars going into end of dragons. There's a lot of great games on the horizon. Um, so, you know, we've said farewell to a few this year, but I think there's plenty more coming this way. As soon as I feel caught up in Endwalker. um, Brian will actually be streaming over there on Fridays next year. So I'm excited to be sharing this, sharing the weekly schedule with him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I just talk about games kind of, I really, I really like listening to people like um, Josh Dreyfus talk about like how things marry as concepts. When you talk about extrinsic and intrinsic rewards. And I, I find that when I get into games, my favorite times talking about games are when I'm sitting at a market board and I'm supposed to be doing something. And somebody asked me a question about like, well, why do prices <laughs> in this game only go down? And we get into some deep econ 101 on like what the market pressures within MMO are and why those are different than the real world. And that that inevitably means that Final Fantasy 14 prices can only go down. It doesn't take botting. That is where the game designs them to go. Uh, and so I just like diving into topics like that. Um, much less edited than what either of these guys put out. The, the quality level is something I can admire and aspire to from afar. The uh, All their links are in the description of this as well as the MP3, so please go. And uh, if you're not already following their content, please do. I think you're going to find something really uh, good. One of the things I kind of laughed at when you were saying, talking about uh, just chopping down trees is like, Honestly, that's how I consume a lot of like both Lona's and Josh's content. Like I'm literally fishing like in New World and just kind of listening to, you know, like what, what their latest uh, video is. So I, I end up listening more than I actually do uh, enjoying some of the, the, the beautifully edited videos that especially Josh puts out. So thank you guys all for joining. Uh, we'll be hanging out for a post show here in just a little bit, but let's go ahead and wrap up this show officially. Uh, thanks everybody for being here. This has been Epic Loot Radio, episode 40, our final podcast for 2021. As we gear up for a great 2022, I wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.